want to welcome you to our daily drive time devotions. We're in day two of our look at Romans chapter 13. You might remember that yesterday we looked at the verses that talked about how God has instituted, he has put into place every human government. And that brings up a lot of questions. What does that mean? In fact, there were so many questions about this from the research team that helps me to think about the questions that people are asking about a chapter that I thought I'd just take a day to answer those questions. Because when you hear a phrase like, God has instituted, God has put into place every human government, it creates some questions. The exact phrase in the Bible is that they are established by God. And the question that I heard again and again as people looked at this chapter was, does that mean that God establishes evil authorities, that God establishes evil governments? Well, let's just sort of cut to the chase. It is obvious that God allows those governments to be in existence. Nothing can happen on this planet except that God allows it. Whether it be, you look way back in history, a pharaoh in Egypt or a Herod in Jesus' day, those were evil governments. Both of those leaders ordered babies to be killed. Now, to me, that's the ultimate abuse of power for a leader. And both of those leaders, the Pharaoh in Egypt, the Herod in Jesus' day, ordered babies to be killed. And yet God allowed both of those governments to be in existence. And in fact, because we read their stories in the Bible, God used both of those human governments in his plan. So when the Bible talks about governments being established by God, does that mean that God establishes evil? No, obviously not. God's established me. God's established you. He created us. I do evil things. You do evil things. So on a personal level, God created someone who can choose to do evil, and I do, and that impacts my personal life. Well, the same thing is true on a government level. God allows governments to come into existence and governments to rule, and sometimes the leaders choose to do what is wrong, choose to do what is evil. And God does allow that for a time. And he uses even the evil that they do in his purposes. Now, that does not mean that God does not protect those who are punished by those governments. He even allows those governments at times to do evil to the extent that they kill the innocent, but God protects the innocent. And he knows that life on this planet is not not the end of the story. If it were, there would be no justice, but it's not. And so when you and I see things that seem so unjust in this world, and it seems like they can never be set right, and we think, how could God establish that kind of a government and allow that? Well, it's because he's allowed us to have free choice in this world. And sometimes human governments that are allowed free choice choose evil. And if this planet, this earth was all there was, that would be totally unjust. But there will come a day when all will be set right. There will come a day when justice will be done. And I look forward to that day in eternity with him. God establishes all governments, and he uses even those that choose to do evil in his plans. I don't know how he does that, same way that he uses the fact that I choose to do evil. And he does not invalidate his plan in my life because of that but he continues to have a plan. So when we read that the governments of this planet are established by God, that doesn't mean that God establishes evil. It does mean, though, that he allows it, just like he allows it in our lives, and that he uses it. He uses it for his plan. There's a second question that comes out of Romans chapter 13 that I heard again and again, and that is, how do we personally honor those in authority if they're not following God's law? 
When it comes to me, what do I do if there's a corrupt government? What if they impose rules or injustices that hurt the majority of people? What do I do then? Do we have to endure a hardship and wait for God to intervene? Now, many of you listening to this are in the United States, and we don't have the same sense of this as some who are in countries where Christians are persecuted or people who are not fed or there is vast, vast suffering in a country because of the abuses of a leader. Does this mean that somehow we're in a no-win situation and God's just standing on the sidelines watching and not helping, just letting things run its course? What do we do in that case? Where does the Bible speak of dealing with political corruption and how to fix that? Well, how do we honor those in authority when they're not following God's laws? You respect the government. That's what the Bible says to do. You respect the government. That doesn't mean you have to agree with the government, but you do respect the government. For one thing, Paul reminds us, in a certain sense, you have to. He says in Romans 13, 1 to 6, they have the sword. They have the power of force over you. Today, it's a gun. They have the sword. And respect or not, you will do what they say because of the power that they have over you. And so, the Bible says, do it with respect. Now, is it possible to have a submissive, respectful attitude and not obey an ungodly law as an individual? Well, yes, of course it is. You do that by being willing to suffer the consequences. You suffer for doing what is right. You want to have integrity, but sometimes we want to have integrity without having to suffer for it. Well, that's, that is heaven, not earth. And so we follow the example of Peter and John in the book of Acts. When Peter and John were brought in before the governing authorities for preaching the gospel, and they were told not to preach the gospel, how did they react? Well, in Acts 4.19, here's what they said. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. In Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. They said, We have to preach. But they also had respect in that first phrase. They said, judge for yourselves whether it is right. They recognized we are under the authority of these leaders. And if they judge that it is wrong, they will throw us into prison. We will have to suffer consequences for doing what is right. That's one of the ways that you and I respect a human government, even when it sets up laws that are against God's laws. I remember years ago sitting down with some of the leaders in the Church of China and hearing them talk about their respect for the place of government in their society, even with all that had been taken from them. Some of these had gone through persecution and been in prisons for not just years, but for decades. And yet they still had in their hearts a respect for the place of government in their society and what it meant. Churches had been taken, Bibles had been burned, leaders had been in prison, but they didn't lose their sense of respect. And I thought, I can learn something from these men and women. I can learn how to hold on to a sense of respect for the place of government, even when I don't agree with a ungodly law that's been set up. Here's the point in this. Don't fight the wrong battle. If we allow a disrespect for government to seep into the extent that we think the way to change society is to change this government, and that can happen. If I could only change the government, then the gospel would get out. And so my whole goal becomes to change the government then all of a sudden the job of the church has been changed. We're trying to change government instead of trying to change people. And let me just tell you right now, you cannot change this world by changing governments. We've tried that again and again and again. You can only change this world by changing people's hearts. 
And even more significant than that, you can't change eternity by changing governments on this planet. The only way to change somebody's destiny for eternity is to change their heart right here and right now. And so the church can never get into the business of trying to change governments. The church has to always be in the business of changing people's hearts. And so Paul is saying, watch out here. Don't get on the wrong task. As much as you might disagree with the government, you focus on the task of sharing the good news. Now, what about when it's more than just a disagreement? What about when it's a matter of moral right and wrong? What if a government ordered you, for instance, to murder an innocent child? You may think that's crazy, but Herod's government did. Pharaoh's government did, as we talked about at the beginning of this. What do you do then? Well, you say no. Respecting the power of that government over you, you may have to endure punishment for saying no. Or if the state ordered you not to worship Jesus, what do you do then? You worship him. You realize there may be consequences because you're under the authority of that government, but you still choose to do what is right. We in America have not had to face many consequences like this, but there are brothers and sisters all over the world who are facing consequences simply because they're choosing to do what is right. There's a third question behind Romans 13, 1 to 6, and that is particularly for those who are in nations that are more free. What about our nation? What do we do when leaders don't live up to our expectation? Well, the answer is not in politics. It's in changed hearts. The good news of Jesus Christ is not good news to change America. It's good news to change Americans. God's not trying to change countries. He's trying to change individuals and people. Now, yes, we should work for and vote for the best leaders that we can. But the purpose of that, by the way, is not to make your life easier. That's the motivation of most people in elections. How can I elect a person who's going to make my life a little bit better, a little bit easier? And that's probably not a bad motivation, but it's not a high enough motivation for those who are citizens of a higher kingdom. When you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're looking to give the greatest freedom to tell the good news around the world. That's what we want to see happen. So what do you do when a leader doesn't live up to your expectation? I have found that as believers in Christ, that because of our convictions about God's truth, we often paint a picture in our mind that is different from reality. People, by the way, are doing the same thing because of their convictions about political parties in the U.S. today, demonizing people because they're a different political party. And Christians are unfortunately fitting into that mold sometimes. And so we see someone who votes against prayer in schools, for instance, and we call them corrupt. Now, they may be, I don't know, they may be corrupt, or it may be simply that they disagree. Even believers have differences of opinion about how the issue of prayer in school should be handled, but that's not the issue here. The issue is, what do you call someone, how do you see someone when they don't live up to your expectations? It might be that they're corrupt, it might be that they just disagree. And so you have to realize, why is it that they don't live up to my expectations, and what can I do about it? Now, with that said, that we don't want to demonize people. We do live in a democracy, those of us that are in America. And it is our duty to speak up for the truth, to vote our moral conscience before anything else, and to not bow to the popular opinion of the day. That is the way that we are light in a dark world. All of these questions that we've talked about, what about evil governments? What about when those who are in authority are not following God's laws? What about when leaders don't live up to my expectation? All of these questions revolve around one key decision in my life, and that is the decision to be light in a dark world. And how do you be light in the dark world? 
Well, you don't do it just by pointing out that things are dark. You should be honest about the state of the world today, but that is not enough. There are some who seem to think that if they just say how dark the world is, it's going to make it a better place. It's okay to be honest about the truth, but it's not enough. The world also needs light. So you live with a different kind of respect for government. You live with a heart that would not be there except for your love for Jesus Christ. You don't say words of hatred toward another person because you love Jesus Christ. You don't demonize people, but you learn to reach out to them in love because you love Jesus Christ. You don't hate the government that you're a part of. You love the people that are running that government because you know that they need Jesus Christ. Your heart has changed, and because of that, you are light in a dark world. You change the world because Jesus Christ has changed you. As we pray following this look together at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 6, I'd like to pray for each of us. I'd like to pray for you and lead you in a time of prayer for yourself. We are all citizens, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, of two kingdoms. And let's pray together that God would use us in both. Our Father, we pray as citizens of a country on this earth and us also as citizens of a higher kingdom, your kingdom, that's going to last forever. We pray that we would be able to follow your leadership. Help us to respect the government that we're a part of on this earth. And God, help us to look forward to the kingdom that we're going to be a part of for eternity. Lord, help us to be honest about the darkness that's in our world. But God, help us to also be light in this dark world, the light that people need. A little bit of light in a dark room can make all the difference in the world. Our Father, help us to be honest with you about our frustrations that might be a part of the country that we're in, the citizenship that we have in this world, but also, Lord, help us to look forward with anticipation to what it's going to mean to be a part of your kingdom. And help us to realize we're never going to find our hope in a human government. We can only find our hope in you. And Father, help us to be grateful for what our human governments do give us and to express that gratefulness to those who serve us in that way, to express our gratefulness to them, but also, Lord, right now we express our gratefulness to you because we realize that all who serve us, all who serve us, are a sign of your grace in our lives. We wouldn't have anything without you. And so we tell you that we are grateful for your grace and thankful for your ministry to us through whatever means because of your love for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look together at Romans chapter 13, verses 7 to 10.